Inter, Roma and Napoli are the only sides with a 100% record, Juve is struggling and is Stefano Pioli feeling the pressure already? I'm Chloe Beresford, this is the One Football Podcast and I'm joined by Podrick Whelan. Hi Chloe. Hello. So, Inter, Roma and Napoli, the only sides that have won both of their opening matches, all the other teams have dropped points. Um, but there is a bit of a, a sort of a, a caveat that Napoli have beaten Hellas Verona and Monza. They've scored nine goals, but fairly small sides. Uh, maybe Hellas a bit bigger than the others, but, you know, still not a top side. Roma have beaten Cremonese and Salernitana and Inter have beaten Spezia and Lecce. So considering the teams these sides have played, is it too early to say that they're the front runners, even though they're the only ones to have got six points? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. You would have been surprised, I think, if any of those teams probably hadn't been on a hundred percent record after two games, considering who they were playing. Like a lot of newly promoted sides, or a lot of teams that you would have expected to struggle this season. So, yeah, if any of them had slipped up early, it would probably be the opposite, and you'd be wondering, well, are they going to be actually in the, the shake up or not? Um, and yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be ruling uh, Milan out just because they've slipped up already. You know, that was a tougher game than any of the others have probably had so far. Um, and yeah, I don't think you will ever, ever write off Juve regardless. I mean, I'm sure we'll get onto them and, and their problems, but I, I would never rule them out of being in a title race. So yeah, I think you probably expected all those teams to win, right? I mean, yeah. Just business as usual, I guess. For yeah. all, of them. yeah. I mean, there is a, a sort of a, a gap that appears, isn't there, in Serie A between the the top sides and the there's a big drop off, isn't there, to the to the bottom half of the table. Yeah, yeah. yeah. especially this season, probably there's so many teams we don't really know a whole lot about. Um, the the ones that have come up, but I mean, some of them have played quite well in those games. Like, like the the two two games that Roma have played, obviously they've kind of squeezed out. One nil wins that could have went, um, could have saw them slip up. Although they probably played well enough in both to, to have it. so yeah. I mean, some of them have played quite well, but you're right. I mean, the gap, just resources, quality, squad depth between the top sides, particularly this season. Yeah, I think it is as a big one. Yeah, I mean, an interesting thing that I saw. Um, obviously, Napoli have, have scored nine goals. They're the only really team that have got into their scoring rhythm because. Um, in Serie A, in the second round, which was last weekend, only 13 goals in total were scored and four of those came from Napoli. So the other 19 teams could only muster nine goals between them. <laughs> so, um, is, and yeah. we're not used to that, are we, in Serie A? Oh, There's normally a lot of goals true. going in. Yeah, that's true. And even the first weekend, um, there was quite a lot of goals. And I guess sometimes you can maybe look at the the temperature and that kind of thing in August and how hot that it is in Italy and stuff at that time that, you know, it can be difficult conditions to play in. But I think, yeah, was it four, I think, nil-nil draws last weekend? Mm. You, you don't really expect that. Like you say, I mean, Serie A the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, it's just a lot of goals a lot of the time. And that was that was quite a surprise, yeah, especially when you lay it out <laughs> that bear like that, that Napoli are pretty much doing all of the scoring for the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it makes it a little bit hard to kind of 
get an an impression of what the sides are like when the the games are only being won by a fine margin. Um, but I think that might open up a bit this weekend. We've got Inter playing Lazio, and uh, Inzaghi said I read that he thinks with Lukaku back and Latora Martinez, they've got a goal each and an assist each so far. That Inter can get a hundred goals this season. Oh, do you think that's realistic or not? No, I can't see that. Hundred goals is <laughs> yeah, that that is that's putting a lot of pressure on them as well. I mean, I guess it's not just them. They they do have they do have a lot of other attacking players, but I mean even if you, you go and look at the two seasons that they had them before, they I think eighty nine was the closest they got. So mm. where are those where are those other eleven goals? Yeah. Um I mean I guess he uh, he might mean all competitions to kind of yeah, maybe. maybe being kind. He maybe maybe yeah. thinks that, but still that is a lot. Yeah, I mean, for Serie A, yes, but I think it is yeah. when in, in the games so far. I mean, they've they've been impressive going forward, and like especially the the opening weekend, they probably sh- they should have had that game wrapped up before needing a ninety fifth minute um winner to to get it. But I mean, it's it's certainly a bold call. Maybe he's just maybe he's just trying to fire them up and giving them mm. a target. You know, what strikers are like they they would um. To be all over it, so I mean, it could be it could be a case of that, but for me, I don't think it's a it's a realistic one. It's it's quite a quite a big target. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So yeah, should be an interesting one uh, with Interplay and Lazio after we gave Chiro Immobile a, a target for scoring last week. I did. Yeah. I mean, uh, he didn't. He didn't score. He yeah. didn't score, did he? So yeah. Um. I don't know, but it at least we might get a bit more of an impression uh, of what what the sides are like because there, there is some of the top teams are sort of playing each other. And um, one of those teams is, of course, Roma, who uh, are going to face Juventus. Now, they've been taking a lot of shots. I had a look into this. They've, they've taken as many shots per game as Napoli. That's 23.5 on, on average. And they're getting them on target eight and a half shots per game on target, which is joint top with Inter, but they've only scored twice. Is it just a case of they're getting in the right positions, they're getting the shots on target and they just need a, a few, a bit more luck for them to go in or what do they need to do to improve in front of goal, do you think? Yeah, the, the stats actually interesting. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel, but I honestly think that... Um, that they should have won both those games, especially the first game of the season. But then even Cremonese as well, they shouldn't have won those games one nil. Uh, just the, honestly, just think it is. It was just one of those days. Well, twice obviously, um, on both weekends where they just they were lacking that little bit, little bit of luck. On I mean, if people uh, are into the the stats on it, I think their their xG for Salernitana was two point four, then three point three against Cremonese. So mm-hmm. like. If you look at the stats, they were expected to score a lot more than they did in both games. And even, I mean, it's not just about, I guess, the the amount of the shots, although that is quite an impressive tally as well, but the quality of some of the chances that they mm. were even creating and just haven't, hasn't gone their way yet. I mean, um, Tammy Abraham's obviously not gotten up, up and running yet. A few of the other, obviously, I mean, they've only scored the two goals, Zaniolo, um he could be on three or four goals for the season already, although now you're having to wait a while with, with the injury that he got. So I really do think it's just, it's one of those where when your team's playing well and you're just not getting the goals that you 
you just think that eventually they are gonna they're gonna take three, four, maybe five off of someone the way that they're playing. I mean, what I don't think as you might be braver than me to call it happening this weekend. I don't <laughs> think they'll do it um, against Juve, but I think eventually, quite soon. Yeah, I think for me, it's just I think they have just really been quite unlucky. Yeah, I mean, Dybala hasn't opened his account yet and it the scene is sort of set for the revenge of the ex this weekend, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah, it's uh, always a one to look out for because I, I think he'll be determined to, to prove himself, won't he, after Juve kind of didn't offer him the contract that he was after. He didn't, he didn't get the money he was after and so he, he had to look elsewhere. So you're, you're going after Immobile last week, we're doubling down. This week, we're seeing Dybala this week for uh, putting all the, the pressure on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Well, I it it's often like sort of almost like written in the stars, isn't it? When yeah. when a player's got something to prove like that with the next side. So yeah, we'll see. But um, going back to Roma, they have been unlucky with injuries. We've got um, Wijnaldum is out until next year, like sort of January at the earliest with a broken fibula. Uh, and as you mentioned, Zaniolo dislocated his shoulder, um, which it looked so painful. Um, he was he was shouting. He was I saw him pointing at his shoulder. And he was shouting "Spala, Spala!" So he knew that he'd he'd done something to his shoulder, um, and he's he's sort of you know when his face was all like crumpled in pain. So I mean I don't know how long shoulders need to be pop back in don't they but I don't know how long he he will be out I guess he won't be around at the weekend so do you think Roma could maybe dip back into the transfer market with the with the window still open yeah I, th- I think they might have to and you know you, you kind of see that even in the last few days there's starting to be midfielders linked like Alan who was obviously amazing at Napoli under Sarri but he's just completely fallen off the radar at, at Everton um like Zachariah at Juve, I think, is another one. And mm-hmm. then the one, the one that I think is the, probably the most interesting is uh, Florian Grillish, who was in the Bundesliga last season. And he's still, I mean, it's almost September and he's still out there um, without a club. I think just it seems like his wage demands with a, a few teams have kind of been what's, what's scuppered that for him. So I think he'd probably be the, the most attractive one if they are going to go back into the market. But you just feel, you feel really sorry for them. I mean, when Alden was a, it was a real marquee signing, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And like it looked as if he might have been like the the kind of missing link or the missing piece in midfield. And and for that for that injury to happen, especially for a loan signing, when you've probably only got that limited window and they're going to miss him for so long now. And then who knows? I mean, by the time he gets back, how long it takes him to get up to speed? And the the team you you see it with guys who get injured. The team can sometimes just leave you behind. So yeah. that's um. That's going to be an interesting one. So it probably will force them, I think, to to go back in, uh, to the market and get some. If it is going to be any of those guys, I mean, who knows? It might, might be someone completely different. There might be you know, even someone um, in the, the youth team that Mourinho might look at. Who knows? But they the probably will need to do something about it. All right, for sure. Yeah, it was it was one of those where, like, no matter which club you support, you, I, I just kind of really went, oh, no, when I heard the news about Wijnaldum because it's like you want the best you want the best player to play in Serie A don't you you want it to be a strong league and that was a really interesting smart signing by Roma and then before he'd even made a a starting appearance he's he's out so 
Yeah, and I suppose there was a real. I think I saw as well that the there was a lot. Of, I think the Romas, the board, and Mourinho especially as well. They were quite angry about the the naming of um, was it Afena Jan that was kind of named by some media outlets as he was almost responsible for it. So that, yeah, that yeah. was that was also a little bit yeah. I think Mourinho in particular was really yeah. angry, wasn't he? Came out on social media and 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 sort of said, "Shame yeah, on you for." Yeah, he even called the yeah, people that had had named, it. and it looks like he's actually going to leave Roma as well now. Mm, yeah, um, he looks an exciting player. But yeah, that was that was quite disappointing to see. I mean, obviously, nobody uh, nobody goes to hurt a teammate or anything like that on purpose, even if it was him. So that was yeah, exactly, that yeah. Was a disappointing side to it as well. Yeah, definitely. Now this weekend, obviously, they faced Juventus, who showed really no desire at all to attack against Sampdoria. Um Vlaovic made only five passes, one of which was one of which was to take the kickoff. Um and he just looks so frustrated again. I mean, he's last season he was even sort of brought to the brink of tears by how frustrated he was by the lack of service. And and you you feel for him really because he he's not the kind of striker who can go and make chances for himself or yeah. he needs that service and he, he's just not getting it is he yeah he does that's exactly spot on um he, he's just he's not going to be that guy that maybe like a Chiesa or Dybala or whoever it might have been like for Juve in recent years who yeah like you say you can give the ball to and he might fashion something himself he's just he's not going to do that he's going to give him the ball in a like really in a scoring position and you fancy him to take it or he'll of pounce course. on something in the area. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that that stat you've mentioned, that is just damning. Five passes and, well, technically four. I mean, he's only going to pass it from kickoff, isn't he? So, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that, it's really, really concerning. Um, and I know that they're talking about, like, adding another striker in and all that kind of But you wonder if it will really, if it will really help when they've already got one of the most exciting or younger um, striking talents in Europe, and he's just been that star of the seven. It, w- it certainly wouldn't if you were a striker, make you um, determined to join UV big club and all that they might be. But you, you see, like the service that the players that are there currently are getting. It's yeah, it's, I think it's quite worrying for UV. Um, the first game of the season they looked good, but Sassuolo, I mean, they didn't didn't offer a whole lot, and they were playing at home. But when Sampdoria just set up to, to frustrate them and they, they really did and Juve probably um, I know you were talking about the other day but they, they the architects their own downfall almost they they, they weren't um, they weren't exactly banging the door down or showing a lot of urgency either were they to, to try and No I um, mean one of the commentators described their passing as walking pace and you know I've seen uh, over the last sort of well over the last couple of years really we've seen Juve play badly but I, I can honestly say I've I've never seen them play as badly as that. Um, and, you know, they have got injuries. They've got Pogba out, Di Maria Chiesa. Yeah, but true. do you think it can really be just explained by the injury problems? I think that, yeah, they miss those players. And it's, it's harsh to say. I mean, because all three of those, they would start for UV every week, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think... Would I don't really know if the, if you put those three players in, it's just it seems like it's the system and it's the way that they're playing. Would would they be able to would they be able to really have that much of an impact on it? I mean, I know that especially De Maria and Chiesa, they they can maybe fashion 
something out of nothing. But when when you talked earlier, obviously about Vlavic and and the the lack of kind of movement and urgency into the final third, I, I don't really don't know that they would. They're they're just so static and there's so much space as well between players or especially between defence and the midfield. Nobody really coming to to take the ball and then like you say it just leads to the guys at the back just knocking it about between each other they look forward there's not a lot of an option or the midfield is far away and Dusan Flavich is even further away mm. yeah like can you really blame not having Pogba de Marien I don't know I mean maybe they could have turned Monday's game against Sampdoria perhaps one like that could have been an individual moment but it's it's worrying I think longer term that if yeah. you're relying on those kind of moments, yeah, because it's uh, it's not a good place that they've, they've looked like they're in. Like you say, one of the one of the poorest performances, and I know they weren't they didn't even lose the game, but it's I get you're right. It's not really the point that they didn't lose it. It's just that where where are the chances going to come from well, if you? I think that's it? I think that's it, and I think you know if you put those those star players back into the team, like like you sort of just said that um, they could maybe get a goal out of individual brilliance at some point against a team like Sampdoria or one of the um, teams in the lower half of Serie A but that's like masking the overall problem and I think it was the case last season that moments of brilliance were were masking the problem with the the system not working and then you come up in the Champions League against an actually a, a good side and well even uh, you know any European side, basically, we've seen Juve go out early the last three years, yeah. and you just you're going to get killed because it it is it was almost not even football what they were playing. I mean, I had a quick look at the player stats, and um, the the defenders they each had ninety something passes um, each, and that but that was just between them. Yeah, you know, across yeah. the back. Locatelli only had who, you know, a midfielder you would expect to have pretty much the highest number of passes in a game. He only had 19 passes. So they were the actual passing map looked like a, a horseshoe yeah. that went yeah. sort of across the back and up the sides. Nothing yeah. went through the middle at all. Um and it, it, it just I don't know, it just seemed like a big, big warning sign that something's not right at all yeah i think yeah you're right that's that's exactly what it is i think some something isn't right and it's not an ideal game for this weekend then to be going <laughs> into because like we talked about rome earlier they've whatever but them, they've looked probably the opposite of that they've looked like urgent and vibrant and quite exciting going forward so it sets it up really nicely for that one probably yeah i mean you know we've got to say that Max Allegri does deserve a lot of credit for his first spell at Juve. Um, five league titles, four Coppa Italia trophies, two Champions League finals, although he never quite got over that line to win. Um, but he's so, this second spell, he's just so, really struggling. All the things that we mentioned, the, the slow pace, the ball going back and forth between the defenders. Do you think that football has sort of passed him by? Do you think... You know what? What's different about him in this second spell? Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one because, like you said, the first spell he was so successful, and I I just I was surprised to be honest that he he ever went back in the the first place or that the club um 
even thought that he was the man to kind of go back to. I really thought when he took that spell out of football and there was talk about him like learning English and learning Spanish and there was offers from like Real Madrid and Man United were linked and it kind of seemed like that was probably going to be the natural next step for him was to test himself um, outside of Italy and maybe prove what he could do abroad. So I, I was honest, I was really surprised that he went back and it's it's just not looked um, like the wisest idea so far. I, maybe it was just a case that they had taken two risks before that and they wanted the, the kind of steady pair of hands. But I would, like you said, I would be worried. Last season was you maybe willing to, to write that off a little um, as kind of he's just came back and he's feeling his way back into things. But then this season started kind of in the, the fashion that it has. And I know it's, it's just one game, but like you said, it's, it's, if nothing else, it's like warning signs are there. And you wonder where it would it would leave him. You know, if, the, if this carries on and things don't work out um, for a leg at UV, it could kind of leave him before you know it, when he's taking that step back to to maybe like a Sampdoria, for example, or someone like that. I would struggle to see would if one of the big clubs would would then trust him again because the style of football this time has been so so painful to watch at times and so frustrating to watch that um, I'm not sure passed them by. I don't know. It's I mean it's an interesting whether it's done that, but. I would wonder what the next step for him would be if this doesn't work out at UV, considering how high his stock kind of was, I guess, when he left the first time. Yeah, I mean, he had sort of two years out, didn't he? And I think during that two years that um, styles of play and, and tactics and stuff kind of took a big leap forward. We've seen a lot of teams become really exciting to watch in that time. And you think, you know, if you were taking a, a break, a lot of coaches take that break to kind of study their game, sort of take a look in the mirror and assess um, whether they are as good as they can be and they learn and they go. You know, I, I think uh, Gattuso last season, he was seen like basically all over Europe. He kept yeah. going to watch yeah. different games. And Aliqui's like come back and he's almost like, become more entrenched in the style he had before. Yeah, and it's probably even more negative as well. Yeah, yeah. It seems kind of bizarre to me. I mean, I don't know at this point, obviously he was given, I think, a four-year deal uh, when he signed last year. But, you know, what, what really do Juve do about it? Do they stick with him and hope it gets better? Or do they look for somebody else? You know, what? where do they go from here? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, it's a it's a long term kind of deal that they've given him. So, to be honest, I don't see him um, going anywhere at the moment, unless the only thing I could see maybe this season, if if they're to really struggle in the league, but I think if the champions, if Europe was to go um, really bad for them, then it might kind of force the hand. At the moment, I, I think he's he's quite safe in the job, and it. But I thought where he would go, where Juve would go, actually, if they did. I think that's really interesting because I mean they took two like gambles, but you know, I guess experiments on on exciting coaches, and it was something a bit different. And they came with obviously like Pirlo in his first role, and we kind of given him the chance to see okay what's he got. And then obviously there was Sari as well, who much less an unknown, but he was supposed to revamp the whole thing completely. And I think if you were going to go with one of those two. One season for each of them, just that was never going to be, never no. going to be enough. So it's surprising then that 
Allegri's the that they've kind of gone with the steady pair of hand and they'll give him a longer time. I think if you were gonna give someone a really long time it, it should have been one of those two. I mean, I don't know that Sari particularly was all that happy really, um at Juve, but it's, it seems surprising to me that it wouldn't have been one of them. I, I think if you were a Juve fan, you could have been a lot um, more optimistic or you'd have been a lot more happy to put up with maybe a few bumps and bruises along the way if it was someone who was trying to implement a style or was still kind of learning their trade, although maybe Juve is too big a club for someone to be kind of learning on the job. But you would have had a lot more patience, I think, for that than with, like you say, Allegri, who just became, who's came back and would not really any new ideas and is just more entrenched in the not so uh, not so enjoyable football that we saw <laughs> the first time. I, I mean, I don't know if you would be thinking like that he's he's maybe on bo- like borrowed time already. But it's yeah, it's not so it's, it's a strange. Well, strange I think, really I think maybe as well as sort of having doubts about Allegri, I think there are doubts about Juve's decision making process. I mean, like like you said, they. They went. They wanted exciting football. That's the reason why they actually fired Allegri, really, in the in the first instance, and brought in Sari because mm-hmm. yeah. Sari was the one that was playing the football. Um, they, they didn't stick with him. They brought in Pirlo. It, it, it. They were like from a club that seemed so sensible for so long. They were lurching between these decisions, and then they've kind of reached for the the comfort blanket. Um, and and now I. I it makes you think are they just gonna stick with him because well they can't make another change you know i i question their decision making as well really um and i don't i don't know really if they parted ways with allegri like where do you go from there who who would you bring in because they've already tried something different and they didn't really have the courage to stick with it yeah. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. Where do you go then? Do you try mend all the fences with Conte or something and try and bring him? <laughs> but, like, how, but surely they yeah. can't keep going backwards. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's it's really. You, who would you go to? It's. I'm. I'm not sure. Do you go all the way back? Go to Ancelotti or something? That's, <laughs> I mean, how? Yeah. Like you say, how far back do you go? You like they can't keep doing it. Um, yeah, it'd be an interesting one to keep an eye on if he if he does uh, or when he does eventually leave. Obviously, he's not going to be there forever. No, I mean, I, it kind of you, you'll know as a as a Torino fan. It it kind of reminds me of Ventura. I mean, because he was really highly thought of, wasn't he at Torino? He he did really well, and then he got the Italy job, and then all of a sudden his methods just kind of got really super old fashioned really quickly and then yeah. he was yeah. he was done all of a sudden wasn't he yeah. um so yeah maybe they could get him maybe that's a- him out of retirement <laughs> somebody you know one of the perennial ones that keep coming back like Matt Sari or someone like yeah that. yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know it's a tricky one but um so sort of in the immediate future obviously they've got this game coming up against roma um, how do you think they'll do? Like, do you sort of dare to give a, a score prediction? Or, well, if I was being Max Allegri and being quite safe and on the fence about it, <laughs> you'd, you'd probably you'd probably go for like a. I mean, neither of them have conceded yet, so maybe the safe option would be to say, uh, say that it's got a, a nil-nil written all over it. But 
I just it's just set up, I think, for one of those classic Roma have started well, they've looked bright, Juve have got those doubts about them, and yet they'll go there and somehow, some way Juve will they'll just find a way. They always they always <laughs> do it, especially in the big game, you know, where yeah. it's down domestically in the bigger games and maybe you go especially over the last ten years and and when Roma go there and Roma have been in the shake up quite a lot. Um yeah, I could see Juve maybe just finding a way just to, to ease the pressure and sneak one out. But, I mean, it'll be inter- regardless, uh, Allegri, the man on the other side will be interesting. I'm sure uh, Mr Mourinho will be, he'll be getting up to something on the touchline in the game anyway. That, I think that's the safest prediction I can probably make, that <laughs> Mourinho will be in the headlines for some reason. Some reason. Yeah. Well, you, you're going to call one. He's not got a great relationship with Juve fans, has he? From back, even back from when he was in charge at Inter. Yeah, um, and then he's in the Man United game that time, and he's, yeah, with he his cup still, to you. yeah, still winding them up. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely see some antics, won't we? I mean, but I think you're right. Like you say, it it's it's set up the script, set up for a, a big Roma win. Uh, a, Dybala goal but you, you just it's really hard with Juve because you just never know when they're going to pull it out of the bag um, so yeah it's it's definitely set up for an interesting one this weekend yeah it's, uh, yeah, it does. if nothing it's, those are the fun ones anyway I mean you, you really could see it going any of the three but the worst nil nil you've ever seen Dybala <laughs> a Dybala winner or Juve just doing what they always do yeah um, well Going back to um, the title holders, uh, Milan Bologna is live on One Football on Saturday evening. That's just for users in the UK and Ireland. Now, after the 1 1 draw with Atalanta, uh, I noticed that the Italian press were saying that um, Milan boss Stefano Pioli is feeling the pressure already after a 1 1 draw with Atalanta. I mean, fair enough, Milan were. They were quite poor. Um, they didn't offer very much, but surely it's not time to be panicking about Milan or ruling them out of the title race. No, no, definitely not. I think that's that's as cutthroat, I think, as it gets for a, <laughs> for a defending champion two weeks in and people are talking about pressure when they've not even lost the game. And yeah, they're unbeaten still. Yeah, yeah, still unbeaten in Atalanta, whatever about... I mean, Milan have... They've actually had quite a good record against them recently, but maybe the last eight or nine games. But before that, it was a they used to always struggle um, in that fixture. Like it was it was never an easy one. And yeah, I think a one-all draw in Bergamo is fine. A lot of teams are going to go there and drop points this season. Even the ones challenging for the title will drop points against Atalanta. They would, they definitely won't be the last. Um, maybe it was just yeah the nature of the performance. Although that second half they they came into it a lot more and maybe could have perhaps snuck out of it with a win, but that would have probably been, a, I think, a harsh on Atalanta. So, yeah, for me, I thought it was it was, it was fine. They, they got out with a, a decent draw and, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely no reason to be panicking on Pioli's behalf anyway, that's for sure. No, no, they've got a, a penchant for the dramatic, I think, haven't they, in the Italian press? Um, but Yeah, absolutely do. <laughs> Atalanta, to me, seem a little bit more resolute than they once were. They, You know, they used to sort of be very gung-ho attacking and, uh, you know, winning games maybe 5-2 or 5-3 sometimes and things like that. But they recently, they seem a little bit sort of tighter and a bit more... 
um, maybe a little bit more cautious in attack, but a little bit also, uh, you know, less leaky, shall we say, in defence. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, you're, that's probably true. I think this season you will see less of the, I mean, some of the score lines you would have saw from Atalanta in recent years, like you said, five twos and four threes and four four and all, like any manner of them. But I think you're right, it does seem like Gasparini thought, well, if he didn't get the players that he wanted in the summer and some like key players as well have been taken away from him, that maybe he has to say, well, I'm going to have to compromise a little bit here and maybe we can't just quite be as gung-ho like as, as they once were. It's... It's probably, which would be a shame because obviously they, I think, not just in Italy, but I think across Europe and when they're doing so well in the Champions League and Europa League, I think a lot of people kind of found them as their second team almost just mm. because of how fun they were to watch. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think you are going to see this season. I think the signs have been there already um, early that there's maybe a little bit of a change in the wind there, which be a shame. But I mean, that it's, it's not as if they still don't have incredible individual talent and that they'll they'll be boring to watch or anything like that all of a sudden but definitely different I mean um, Duvan Zapata hasn't scored yet Um, you you know they only need to get them firing don't they him and Muriel they need to that only needs to happen for them to start scoring a few more Um, so yeah I'm I'm not saying that they're gonna be utterly boring but I just think a little bit more a little bit less gung ho than they were, um, but yeah, it's just, it is a shame because they they were amazing to watch. Um, even like lots of neutrals, like you say, sort of really, uh, really found them as a second team. But yeah, we'll see with them. Um, so going back to Milan Bologna, what what do you do? You, do you see a, a win there for for Milan? Yeah, I mean it. it disappoints me to say it as I know as we'd said last week about one of the one of the Scottish players in Serie A but uh yeah I can't see uh I can't see Bologna turning up and, and really causing much of an upset in this one. It's it's another one of those kind of thing that we'd mentioned earlier about the, the kind of favourable um run of fixtures for the top teams and Atalanta was a difficult one but I think this is maybe a bit more um back on track almost for Milan. I think that you know the the first game of the season, massive crowd. I think you probably will see big crowds for them throughout the season as well. So, yeah, it'd be it'd really be hard pushed to find much of a reason to find a find a way to make much of a case for Bologna. I'm afraid. Yeah, I think so. I think they've uh, been very disappointed with a kind of lack of ambition from their owners as well at Bologna. Um, they just. They kind of just seem to like just do enough to finish mid table, um, but then, then really you do, you, you've got to expect if you go away to San Siro to to face the reigning champions, you're going to lose, aren't you? If you, <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just how it is. Um, but yeah, you can you can see how that unfolds uh, on the One Football app, and um, we're going to just finish off once again with a bit of fun, um, and I think you've got. Some questions for me, haven't you, Padraig? I do indeed. My turn to the away leg um, <laughs> this week. So I've gone for this week because of the, the big weekend game that it is. I've gone for the uh, UV Roma theme. Okay. So so for our nostalgia one to start off, I mean, the obvious one. Um, they both, in the last what, 30 years, whatever, have both had 
two unbelievable attacking talents and we did Ronaldo versus Batistuta last week. So this week I'm going, if you could only pick one man up front for your team, Chloe, would it be Totti for Roma or Del Piero from the oh, youth? That's so hard, another so hard one. Um, well, I really, two, two players that, you know, I really, really loved growing up and um, just just so much, so much natural talent from them both on yeah. show. Um, and I think they, they actually, they got on quite well in the Italy squad. I think I remember that um, Del Piero let Totti have the 10 or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to have to say Totti just... He's just edged it, and that is because I have seen him play live, but I haven't seen Del Piero play live. And seeing Totti live, like seeing that talent, you know, with your own eyes, not through a TV screen, it was, it was just something else. And he, he really was. Um, you see it, you know, in the in the in the clips that you see on Twitter sometimes, where he plays five aside or yeah. does something crazy off a boat, Ridiculous. where he launches the ball and it just it lands on a five p piece or something. You know, it, it uh, yeah, it just just a, a, an insanely talented footballer. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you this week. Um, I'm not even to not even to hate on a Del Piero or anything, although I did. Um, did manage to to see Del Piero score a free kick before really? live, which was which was not so good because it was against my team. But <laughs> um, yeah, and then unfortunately, like you, I'd I'd made I'd spent a lot of time in my but uh, before he retired, following Roma around Italy just because I wanted to see Totti score a goal in the flesh, and you know I never did. Oh so no, was that in his in his sort of. It, almost like his farewell tour when he was kind well, of... Well, there was, there was a bit of it before that and then, yeah, towards the end and then I even went to the last game he played, the, the one against Genoa at the Olympico and I was like, okay, this time surely and then, I don't want to swear on the podcast, but Spalletti, um, um... obviously <laughs> like you've hinted at, at the end, he uh, thought he wasn't exactly flavour of the month by by the end of his, no. his game at the club and then um, he didn't even start the, the last game. He brought him on and kind of changed the game so that was nice and there definitely wasn't a wasn't a dry eye in the stadium I that was day. gonna say what was it like being there with all that emotion and 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 everything I mean I I was watching on tv with tears rolling down my face yeah yeah well no it was it was definitely quite heavy and um yeah no if even even if you uh can like understand like some Italian but his accent especially when he's doing when he did like the speech at the end of the game and I think I was catching maybe one out of every 20 words or something that he, he said. But yeah, even when he was giving the speech and doing his lap of honour at the end and you're just looking around and it was like, it was everyone. It was like, including myself, it was like every man, woman, child in the stadium just absolutely brought to tears by like this guy signing off. It was just a shame, just a shame that day that yeah, he couldn't couldn't get the goal because mm. yeah, I've lost count now of the amount of games I went to watch them at and and then there was even one game, I think, in Parma where uh, Pjanic had scored a free kick and I was like, oh, really, really, like this this guy's scoring free kicks and he wouldn't just let the main man take it. <laughs> Although that, that game was quite, um, I do remember being at that one and we were standing among like, the Parma ultras and 
thought he went over to take a corner and even some of like Parma's ultras were getting their phones out and trying to snap like a really sly photo yeah. yeah. of him and not so I guess that even kind of shows you the the level that the whole country kind of viewed him and Del Piero as well yeah obviously on that even in like these really uh hot sections of the stadium that guys are still trying to get their little uh, memento for the evening of yeah, yeah. Even if they maybe don't want to admit it to the others, they, they he is he is universally liked, isn't he? I think Totti yeah. is. Yeah. Um, maybe not Lazio, but <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. Even I, I'm sure if nothing else, you'll get begrudging uh, respect from from that side, even if yeah, not exactly that they like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm. I think I'm ready. You're gonna unleash this trivia <laughs> question on me. <laughs> It's it. So I did, I went back and searched, and some of them are obviously difficult, same as last week, you don't think top marks would be on a sheet, but I was sticking with the, the Rome, Rome, excuse me, Roma Juve um, theme, so I went back and checked, and in the last 20 years, so since 2002, mm. 16 players have uh, played for both, Ooh. so just to see how many, I mean, like some of them are Oof. ridiculous, but... To see how many you can. Um, oh right, well there's Pjanic. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, we got the probably the, the most the controversial. Most, well, yeah, the most yeah controversial. Um. Oh. Well, and I didn't count. I will add that guys like Chiellini, who never played a game. I thought. Oh, would, what in co-ownership or something? Yeah. Yeah, that, okay. yeah. I thought that would have been a little bit. Um, yeah. Ridiculous. Okay. But I was quite surprised by some. Yeah, um, is a Maori one, or have I misremembered that? He, he's not, but I wouldn't have been surprised if... Uh, no, because he was around a lot. Yeah, but there is, if you go down the journeyman striker theme, you'll definitely happen across uh, uh, one or two. Not Gil- Gilardino, no? No, not uh, Gilardino. Uh, Matri? No, but, uh, <laughs> not Matri, but... There, there is like three, three guys who are uh, two of them. Two of them, Fiorentina heroes as well. Who okay? Who did the rounds? One, uh, one big Fiorentino, who we all loved for one season, perhaps. Uh oh. Um. Oh, do you know? I've just gone totally blank. Right. Um. Not Churchy. No. No, I thought that as well. I don't know why I had that in my head as well for some reason. Yeah, I've got everybody, it. but haven't I? Um. Well, there's one. Uh, at UV now, who plays all the time but isn't in the team, he's injured at the moment. Uh, but plays every week. But plays every week. Although it's harsh because he's not actually playing in the team just now. <laughs> uh, what position? Oh, if I gave you that, it, you would get it, it immediately. So make of that what you will. Okay. Um... At the back, shall oh, we say? Chesney. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was an obvious one. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Just trying to think. God, it players that they go around Serie A so much, don't they? That's, that's why. That's why. It's I hard thought to it remember was, who's yeah, played where. Okay, give me some. Fire me some clues. Yes, I will. I'll fire you. Some. So, uh, can I get? Because some of them are just ridiculously. Uh, um, can't you? Yeah, there is. There is a few strikers that there is. Not Luca uh, Tony. Yes. Yes. yes Luca Tony's yes. one. I think he was. Maybe it was like a little. A little spell on loan, um, mm-hmm. or something like that. One time, then there was another one who 
who was at Fiorentina as well, was at Inter. See what I mean about these guys who yeah, do the round? Yeah, I know. Uh, he was in England, does it? I think it was Southampton. Oh, was uh, not um... For a little while. And I'm sure he's got a statue of himself in his house. This oh, day. yeah, I know who you mean. Um, oh, he's in China now, isn't he? Yes, oh, what's, yes, what's I think name? so. Striker. Pele. No, no, oh, no, not Pele. No, uh, he fit the bill, though. Yeah. <laughs> statue of himself. where this guy is. Uh, oh, he may be retired. Oh, yes. He was like... Yes, he became like a guitarist. Yes, uh, yes, yes. yes. Oh, let me think of his name yes. now. I'm so bad at remembering names. He's in Argentina. That's where um, he is. Oh, what's he called? I've seen him play live as well, but he didn't score. Yeah, even when you Google, he just looks like Johnny Depp, actually. Yeah, he does. Like, he does. He's going for that look, isn't he? Uh, mm. I've forgotten his name. Just, just tell me. That's Osvaldo, Osvaldo for that one. That one. Danny yeah. Osvaldo, yeah. Danny is at sort of Fiorentina. And there's one, he, there's one in the Roma team now, but he was injured for a lot of like the last year. Um, but he, uh... did, he didn't play a lot at Juve. Like a wing-back who... Oh, Spinazzola. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you kind of forget forget yeah. about him at you. It's the same with a lot of the rest. A lot of the rest, but well, there's one one striker who was good at Roma for years, and then he was in like the the Conte, the early Conte years. Oh yes, do you know? I I I'll probably take a minute to remember his name, but he was born on the exact same day and year as me, so he's like. Oh. A weird twin, but not really a twin. <laughs> <laughs> a birthday twin. Yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? You'll have to remind me of his name. Oh, it's gone. Vucinich for that one. That's Vucinich, it. Yeah. For that. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the rest, are, some of them are, are ridiculous. Well, I'll run through, run through the the names for some of the rest of them. Okay, yeah. We have, uh, and you've been doing well to get some of these. Jonathan Zabina. Oh, yeah. Uh, Medi Benatia. Yep. Oh, I should have got that. Uh, Emerson. Oh, uh, the next one was. Well, he came through at Roma, uh, um, and just injuries like killed him. Went to Liverpool. I think he was at Milan. Fiorentina. Uh, not Barini. Not Barini. No. You're on the right track, though. Yeah. No, he's gone. That Tell was me. Aquilani for that Aquilani, one. Aquilani, yeah. Destroyed by yeah. injuries, poor fella. Yeah. Then we have Parota, who I don't really remember playing at UV that much, to be no. honest. There we go. Do uh, you know, uh, interesting fact about Simone Parota is that has a statue quite near to where I live in Ashton Underline because he... <laughs> went to school there and started off his life there in England until he was about five or six. And they have a statue of World Cup winners. One oh, Jim, yeah. Jimmy Armfield and and then Simone Prota is is one of them. They've adopted him as a as a local hero in Ashton. I'm sure I remember that during the the World Cup final the the commentary on the BBC or whatever it was made sure to mention his uh his English roots like quite yeah. a lot as if like England had <laughs> Another player about to win a World Cup. I mean, I guess, I guess you could actually argue that one. To I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's born there or 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 what. But I think he was. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, he didn't live there long. Yeah, um, you've got all the rest of those. Then, oh yes, another 
striking um well, one of those strikers that was everywhere. We've got Borriello. Who, oh, um, yeah, he was everywhere, wasn't he? played for every single club in Serie A. Uh, then no, the the last four then were, I mean, Matteo Brighi. Okay, I don't uh, know who that Marco is. Marco <laughs> Motta, Federico Balzaretti. Who, oh, yeah, remember he's him. One of the greatest celebrations ever when he scored in the derby and cried his eyes out, bless yeah. him. Yeah. He had, a, he had a, an excellent man bun before they were popular, oh, he did. didn't he? Before, before they were a thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> before they were a thing. And then the last one, who I, I mean, I think he played three games for UV in the 90s, was Morgan De Sanctis, who oh, then yes. went back and played for Roma right at the end. So, yes, well, I'll find a, a better middle ground next week because I, I, I went too harsh looking for revenge. <laughs> No, I think I think I was going to bet. I bet people at home were shouting out the name when I was. I just have a terrible memory for names, but I know exactly which player you meant. Um, but yeah, I, I guess people might have been playing along at home with that one. So it was it was a it was a fun if one. They did. They feel free to send in their scores because, uh, yeah, some tricky ones in there. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us probably to the end of this episode. We will be back next week with more talk all about Syria. Um, hope you guys enjoy the games this weekend and we shall talk to you soon.